21. In that day I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies and they will respond to the earth. And the earth will respond to the grain, the new wine and oil. And they will respond to Jezreel. Jezreel means the Lord's planting. And all of these things uh, go back to the false gods. Uh, what was Baal the god of? Rain. He was the rain god. So God says, I will respond to the skies and they'll respond to the earth. Baal's not part of this equation. Um, and what was Asherah the goddess of? Well, fertility. So, yeah, no, the earth will respond to the grain. It's not, it's not, it doesn't involve this goddess of yours. The, the, the earth will bring forth the grain, the new wine, the oil. They'll all respond to Jezreel, the Lord's planting. This, the, the, these, these little idols of yours aren't part of this. This is what I will bring forth, says the Lord. In less than one minute, I would like to tell you about this. Um, this is a date palm. Actually, it's not, but it looks exactly like a baby date palm. Um, I couldn't find the right picture because it's so, such a new thing. Um, in, a, a, in, a, in a room that was recently unearthed in the dig, the archaeological dig at Masada, which is this fortress on the far side of the Dead Sea. You may have heard of Masada. Um, it, it, was a, it was a big fortress um, that the Jews were killed on. Well, in doing an archaeological dig there, some, uh, some folks a couple years ago ran across some jars in which were in bags, in jars, seeds of date palm trees. And they were at least 2,000 years old. And there were several of these jars. And they did testing on them, and I think they maybe even did DNA testing on them. They discovered that there were four different uh, uh, plants involved. You know, some, some seeds were all coming from the same plant. But they were coming from the western date palm and the eastern date palm. And the thing is, the eastern date palm is the one that's still around. The western one is extinct. And it's the one that's probably mentioned in the Bible. And so they took, uh, you know, from this big bag of seeds, they took out, I think, 34 individual seeds, made sure they were pretty good. They were representation of the whole batch, but not the whole batch. And they tested three or four of them, and then they soaked them in, first of all, just fresh water. Then they soaked them in a bath of water and some kind of naturally occurring acid that promotes sprouting. And then they soaked them again in water to kind of wash off whatever was there. And then they soaked them in a natural fertilizer of some kind. I'll let you supply. Um, and uh, one of them went rotten. And they had kept a few out of the batch as, a, as like a, a control group. And they got... 30, more than 30 growing palm trees, date palms. And the ancient description of the dates in, 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 is very different than what we think of. If you eat dates, um, they're usually uh, kind of smallish, right? Um, what color are they? Is it kind of a orangish, golden brown color? And, you know, they're you know, kind of yay big or whatever, right? Um, 
in ancient times, they were described as being long and wide and having kind of a honey aftertaste. And, and, and that's exactly what they got from these 2,000-year-old seeds, were these larger dates that had this delicious, delightful honey aftertaste. So they've successfully restored what was, what's been lost for 2,000 years um, with uh, these, uh, several of these big date palm trees. In the fourth year, they, they, don't, they don't produce dates for four years. In the fourth to tenth year was the old adage. But in the fourth year, several of them did start producing fruit. And this just happened a few months ago. I just got it. The article was in uh, last month's Biblical Archaeology Review that they've n just now gotten these dates. And they reported on their flavor and everything. So kind of cool, kind of exciting. All right. They also grow in very sandy soil, so conducive to... Of Palestine. Last verse of our chapter, I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, I'll say you are my people. And they will say you are my God. So God pursues, God restores. Chapter three, it's five verses. The Lord said to me, Go show love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love their sacred raisin cakes. Um, first of all, uh, there are a couple of commentaries that claim that this can't be Israel, it has to be Judah. What in the text here tells me that this is probably Israel and not Judah? Fourth line? Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Yeah, though they turn to other gods. It's not the only time the word Israel is going to get used in this little chapter, and I think it's the Israelites. If God, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the Shakespeare play The Winter's Tale. It's one of the earliest um, rom-coms ever. A romantic comedy. Winter's Tale. It's, just one, it's the earliest example of one of those, or one of them. It has the most famous stage direction in all of literature. And you probably don't know it. Maybe you do. I shouldn't say that. Maybe you do know this. But it's a very famous stage direction. Anybody know what I'm thinking of? That it's, it's exit pursued by a bear. That's the stage direction. And it's famous because if you're going to put on the winter's tale, you have to have long meetings with your insurance company about are we going to do this at, at, as, as written? Is there, are we going to have a bear on stage? Or are we going to make it like a fake bear? Or are we going to have a little kid in a bear costume? Or have a guy in a bear mask show up with a letter jacket on? Ha ha, it's not really a bear. What are we going to shake in, 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 the, in the 16th century, London had several bear pits for gaming purposes. They may actually have used a bear on stage. Um, but uh, you, you, you have to make a decision. Are we going to take this passage at face value? And that's what we say with a verse like this. Am I going to take this verse at face value? And what do we say when it's scripture? 
Of course I am. I'm going to take this at face value. Um, go show love to your wife again, though she is loved by another. By the way, she is loved by another with just the consonants, not even changing a single consonant um, by removing the Hebrew vowels and looking at it with just the consonants. It could also say, though she is loved by wickedness or sinfulness. Would that also describe Gomer? Hosea's wife, it could, couldn't it? That's kind of curious. Um, but the Masoretes, the guys who put in the vowels, they, they said, we think this is another, maybe. Um, and God says, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Oh, and they, but they, they love their sacred raisin cakes. Raisin cakes were gifts to Baal that they made, and to Asherah at, um, at the harvest. They would offer these raisin cakes. And what would you do with a raisin cake? Who would you take it to? Yeah, the prostitute. You'd go, it's like a thank you because my, my crop is coming up. Do you remember a scene in the Bible where somebody produces lots of raisin cakes? Yes, it's Abigail. Uh, her stupid husband, Nabal, by the way, Nabal means fool or stupid. Um, her husband insulted David and Abigail, without batting an eyelash, produces hundreds of raisin cakes and five dressed sheep and all this other stuff that she's going to go and she gives it all to David. And I, I, I kind of wonder, were they saving up for, for the gift to the prostitutes because Nabal went and worshipped the, the Baal or Asherah? And now what does Abigail do? She gives it to David because who's the real protector here? That adds a dimension to that story that I wonder about. I, I, I've got to do more reading. I didn't even think about it, though, until we were kind of getting into this passage. And, and, uh, but a fascinating thing. Verse 2, chapter 3, verse 2. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethek of barley. Um, you could say a homer and a half of barley. Uh, a homer and a half is uh, 10 laundry baskets of barley and which might be worth about 15 shekels. So her complete value is about 30 shekels. 15 of silver and about 15 shekels worth of barley and the total value though about 30 shekels is the price of a woman slave um, in the Old Testament. So there are some commentaries that say, oh, he only paid half the price. But if you add in the produce as well as the silver, it kind of comes out to the correct amount. Um, what you would do to purchase someone back or redeem them. Um, so he, he goes and buys her back. The, kind of the question is, what does he buy her back from? Had she sold herself? Um, is, you know, is this the dowry to her new lover? Is it a dowry given to her father? Is it to her pimp? You know, I, I don't know. Um, who the, but she had evidently been sold. And now she gets in. But now he buys her back. He, he, he restores her. Um, and they're reconciled. And um, so then he says, then I told her. You are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. 
and I will live with you. Um, and there are maybe two ways to understand that because the uh, you are to live with me could also be translated you are to wait for me. I think there's a footnote about that in your, in your text, in your NIV, if you have one. I don't know what the EHV says here in, in Hosea. Um, and so the one way is that she's to live with Hosea as her husband on the condition that she'll remain faithful to him. The other one just says that maybe he puts her away for a while and says, wait for me while I judge whether you're going to be faithful and then I'll take you back to me. Either way, he's taking her back. So there seems to be kind of a period of, um, of uh, what do you call that, uh, uh, testing, trial, um, uh, or, or, or what have you. Um, the word's not coming to me, but I'll, uh, we'll, let's, let's try this out. I'm going to take you back, but first, you know, you're going to have a little test. Probation. probation, thank you very much. Yeah, you're on probation. So don't mess up, Gomer. That's what he's saying. But he does already give, he pays her all of this. So he's taking care of her needs, even during the probation period. So, you know, he is looking after her. Verse 4. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stone, without ephod or idol. All of these things had led them into sin. And I want to ask, um, uh, uh, in what ways did these things lead them astray? And are there examples or applications of these things in our lives today? So how did the king lead them astray in the north? Yeah, the calves at Dan and Bethel. Um, so the, the ruler led them astray. How might that happen today? Sure, if the government makes dictates about, about your worship life. Mm -hmm. We also have uh, a worm on an attractive hook with a spinner. And there's a bobber up on the, up on the surface of the, of the water right now that, our, our, that churches are, are looking at. The government is offering all kinds of incentives for churches and schools. Um, and, uh, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the people who are offering it are saying, hey, no strings attached. Well, no strings attached. There are always strings attached. Um, second one, prince. In Israel, a corrupt king might be followed by what kind of prince? Think in positive terms. A prince could mean reform, right? It could mean change, positive change. But it almost never did. You know, but it could potentially be there. Um, uh, and now we have four additional things. So sacrifice I'm just going to kind of lay these out because our time is, is kind of running out here. But sacrifice was an ancient kind of worship. It goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. But they were using it wrongly. So sacrifice, ancient kind of worship, used wrongly. Sacred stones. Were there ever sacred stones in ancient worship? I'm thinking of Jacob at Bethel and so forth. Um, so yeah, um, ancient worship that was now forbidden. You may not use sacred stones anymore, God said, because it's too easily misunderstood. 
That sacred stone could be an, uh, basically an idol, so no longer. Next one, the ephod. What was the ephod? Well, usually it was the breastplate of the high priest or his vest or, or, or what have you. So what, it was a right form of worship, but they used it wrongly. You remember about that? There was a thing about an ephod in the book of, at, late in the book of Judges. Gideon's ephod, and it got misused, and it was just a, what are you doing? And, you know, that kind of a thing. And then finally, idols. Uh, idols were wrong worship, and they were always forbidden. So you have this different way of looking at these things. An ancient form of worship that got used wrongly, an ancient form of worship that was now forbidden, a right form of worship that was used wrongly, and a wrong form of worship that is, of course, still Forbidden. So God says, all of these things I'm going to remove from you. And Israel, the northern tribes, had, it seems, no worship at all for a while. But then they would be called back. And then they would be given Christ. So I'm going to take it all away from you. Afterward, the Israelite will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessing in the last days. Not the last days, the end of the world, but the last days, the latter days, the days of the Messiah, of, of, of Christ. But David, their king? Well, when had David been king of the north? Yeah, in fact, his entire reign. That's when it worked, was under David. David combined the north and the south and did it really, really well. It wasn't, it wasn't easy for him, but he handled it very, very well. But that brings us to the conclusion of chapter 3, and we'll pick it up from there then next time. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.